We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Thunder fans? It is your boy, Taylor Peterson. You probably know me on Twitter at as at underscore TaylorP15. And I am here to give you guys your uncontested post-game podcast. It's a beautiful day here in Oklahoma, here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's about 70 degrees outside and sunny. I like low-key thought about doing the podcast outside, letting the puppies run around and stuff and enjoying the weather, but it's a little too windy. So still no complaints, 70 degrees at the beginning of February. We'll absolutely take it. Hopefully that's an indicative of an early spring. Unfortunately, I do have something to complain a little bit about. The Thunder lost to the Celtics today on a primetime game, primetime uh, 1 o'clock on a Sunday on ABC. They lost to the Boston Celtics 134-129, to 129, snapping their seven-game win streak. Thunder fall to 33-19 on the season, but still remain third in the West, fortunately. Um, it, it was a tough one, for sure, from the very beginning. The Thunder, <laughs> they looked like a team, honestly, on a seven-game win streak and who woke up on a Sunday and had to play a basketball game. Like, eh, we don't really want to do this. But with even with that being said, you still have to give credit to the Celtics. I thought Brad Stevens had a really good game plan. Essentially, he knew that when you have players like Paul George and Steven Adams, obviously Paul George being an elite, elite perimeter and all-around defender, and then Steven Adams in the lane, such a big post presence that – his team really needed to run transition, and that's what they did. You know, it's the most physical defense. I saw a a Celtics beat writer tweet this out. You know, the most physical defense Celtics had seen all year, and so they felt that their best chance was to run transition, and that's what they did. Let Kyrie do his thing. He tore us up and found open teammates, as well as Al Horford. He was a great playmaker today as well. 
but regardless, uh, it forces Thunder to shoot from outside. You know, they were 14 of 35 overall from three, which isn't terrible, particularly from this team. As we know, you know, we saw early on in the season, uh, they, they really struggle with three-point shot, but they've been better as of late. And they dared others, other than Paul George and Terrence Ferguson, to hit three po- open three-point shots. And unfortunately, you know, or, well, I, I should say fortunately, um, we actually did that, and that kept us within within striking distance the entire game. As you guys know, if you, if you watch the game, Gave the Thunder a chance to come back in the fourth quarter, but regardless, shooting three pointers, particularly when you're this team, that's not going to get it done against a solid elite team like Boston out in the East. When you're playing at the Garden, you need much more than that. As as you guys will see as I dive into this, so one thing that really stuck out to me is the Thunder defense really struggled today. They entered today fifth in defensive efficiency. You know they kind of dipped there during that losing streak, but during the seven game winning streak, they've obviously has, have been much more. Uh, efficient and much more better they're much more better goodness much better but regardless um they struggled a little bit today you know Royce Young tweeted this out and I thought it was very accurate he said that the Thunder look a step or honestly a couple steps too slow today you know they were slow on their rotations they were slow closing out on open shooters and I even thought that they really didn't defend the pick and roll very well I, you know I tweeted that out I know one of our guys Jacob he was tweeting a little bit about that the communication was poor uh, both on the pick and roll and the defense in general and that led to a lot of open shots for Boston, as we, as you guys will see. Today's game was Boston's best shooting percentage of the season at 59%, which is just absurd. They were 54 of 91 from the field. And what's even crazy, crazier about that number is only they were only 13 of 34 from three. Um, that's crazy for one reason, because they were 59% overall. So obviously a lot of their points were in the paint and were twos. But it's also crazy because it just felt like every three that Boston was hitting was just so critical and big. Like, for example, Marcus Smart who there's, you guys can go find this on Twitter. I think it was like Brett Dawson who retweeted a tweet about this, but essentially he has his, I guess, against all the teams in the NBA, against the Thunder, is he, it's like his third highest points per game or something ridiculous like that. Regardless, there's stats proving that Marcus Smart just lights us up every time he plays us. But it wasn't just Marcus either. You know, um, there were, like I said, Kyrie, Al Horford, um, Plyus, or however you say his name. He, I mean, regardless... There were some big-time shots, so I was very intrigued to see if the Celtics only shot 13-34. and 34. Just It felt like much more than that. Those 13 threes that they took and made were were big ones, for sure. So um, I did think the Thunder defense got better to start the second half. But, you know, this team is, I've said this over and over, and I keep preaching this, but this team is at their best when they put defense first, when the effort is there. And that leads to transition points, open shots, and that's really just the foundation of everything. And we saw that in the second half. They started to do that. They got turnovers, forced Boston to turn the ball over. They went on an 11-0 run, led to open shots. And I just, everything was much better because they focused on the defensive end. And I think a lot of that starts with Russ. Russ came out very rusty to begin the game. Um, that first half he had was terrible, which I'll get into here in a little bit. But you know, then after that 11-0 run, OKC gets stuck on 78 points. Kyrie basically just torches them and eats up their their defense. He's driving to the hole getting points, but then he's kicking out to open shooters, and it just went downhill from there. And then they really picked up in the fourth quarter, and that's what kept us in it, but in the end, it just wasn't enough. So another point that I have here is Paul George. I have it here that it was a weird Paul George game because he put up insane numbers again, but it was just much more quiet than it's been the this last seven game win streak you know I I felt like it wasn't quite as flashy quite as loud he ended up with 37 points had four assists and four rebounds 
but he just kind of seemed to disappear again at times. Like, for example, in that second quarter when he came back in, he really couldn't get much going. And then in the third quarter, he kind of struggled a little bit as well until he started to get, get it going towards the end of the third and beginning of the fourth. He also missed some big shots that he's been hitting all season long, you know, kind of his MVP moments, for lack of a better term. You know, he had that, that big three-pointer in the fourth quarter, or at the end of the fourth quarter, towards the end of the game, that either would have tied the game or put us up one, I can't remember. Um, you know, that I fully expected to go in because of how great he's been. But regardless, you can't knock Paul George. He had another great game. I just thought it was kind of strange how he, he puts up 37 and it just seems so quiet, I think is, is the best way to put it. Regardless, though, like I said, I mean, it was his fourth straight game with 36 points, which is just absolutely absurd. There's nobody else in the league doing that other than James Harden right now. He continues to be on fire. He, he was 5-16 from three today, which isn't super great by any means, but I came across across a tweet from Shang Young, NBA. You guys maybe have seen this as well, but he's essentially it says that he's on pace for 299 three-pointers right now, and for reference, his career high from eight threes in a season was 244 last year. And not only is he making them, but it, they're at a higher volume and a higher efficiency this year than Klay Thompson, which is just insane. Not to mention he's doing it on both ends of the floor like we talked about. I mean, it's just he's really building a solid uh, campaign, an MVP campaign for himself. And if he would have hit that three-pointer, I think, to put a sub, it just might have put him over the top. Um, but obviously that's me being biased. So Paul George had another good game, but another player that I wanted to touch on that also kind of had a strange game is Russell Westbrook. I called this you know, the, the roller coaster Russell Westbrook game because he really had a rough first half. Even You could even argue a rough three quarters. You know, he shot only two nine from the field in the first half. He wasn't really playing defense. And as Jacob tweeted out, Thunder Mom, he said he looked like he was just kind of coasting, which was so true. He just wasn't really engaged or locked in, as we know Russ can do sometimes. And it was frustrating. It was really frustrating. He just kind of disappeared from the game. He was forcing things like he tends to do when he's not playing well. And the team was suffering because of that. But then the fourth quarter happens, and he just I, he played a phenomenal fourth quarter other than the big mistake, which I'll get into. But, you know, Russell recorded his sixth straight triple-double, triple double, 19th of the season. Like I said, I thought he played a really good fourth quarter. So he started penetrating more. He found open teammates. He didn't really force shots, and he played solid defense. He was locked in on the defensive end, which was huge. But I think my favorite thing was his hustling for the rebounds. And there was one there in the fourth quarter where – and I'm sure you guys will, if you guys watch the game, you'll know which one I'm talking about. But he jumped up so high. I mean, I swear, and obviously this is probably not accurate, but I swear his head was like above the rim. It was just absolutely absurd. Everybody was tweeting about how high he jumped. And I don't even know if he actually got that rebound. I think he tipped it um, out to somebody who got the board and created transition points for the Thunder. But regardless, he was locked in and, you know, he was trying to get those rebounds. He was hustling. He was trying to win the game. And I feel like Russ's fourth quarter was what ultimately kept the Thunder within striking distance and, you know, kept him close enough to be able to win that game there in the fourth. You know, another example of his fourth quarter, he hit a big three-pointer there in the fourth quarter himself. And then one that I really liked, you know, like I said, he was penetrating more and creating open uh, shots for teammates. And there was a critical three-pointer that Jeremy Grant hit in the fourth, towards the end of the fourth quarter, that Russ drove create a wide-open Jeremy three-pointer, like I said, because uh, Jeremy's defender came to defend Russ in the paint, and then Jeremy pulls up and drains that three-pointer, and I believe that tied the game. So Russ's play, honestly, was critical for this team in the fourth team, giving them a chance, but unfortunately, as you, you guys are well aware, and I'm, as I'm sure we'll see all over the media tonight and tomorrow, he made a big, Russ made a big mistake later on towards the end of the game that, that really cost us. So he gets a rebound from a Tatum free throw on a fast break, 
and I believe it was Schroeder. I could be wrong on that. I didn't go back to to watch that play again. But he tried to find Schroeder or whoever his other teammate was down on the, the on the fast break for a wide open shot that could have either tied the game or put us up. But then Kyrie comes up, who's been having a great game. He gets a hand on the ball and forces Russ to turn the ball over. And that was that. I think the Celtics go down. They hit like two free throws. And it just kind of was downhill from there. So like I said, obviously Russ haters are going to be having a heyday with that one. But I wanted to share this this tweet of Matt Moore's over at the Action Network, HP Basketball. It's his Twitter handle. You guys probably follow him. But in 26 games, within five points in the final five minutes, that was only Westbrook's sixth turnover in over 90 such minutes. So I know this season there's everybody's talking about his, his poor shooting numbers and they're going to be talking about this turnover. But like I said, I, I don't think that should overshadow his incredible fourth quarter and how that how critical that was for this Thunder team when Paul George kind of had taken the back seat or, or at least the Celtics were guarding him really well. And, you know, it, it was kind of up to Russ at that point. I even tweeted it out on our uncontested account. And he really, he played incredible up until that point. But like I said, all we're going to hear about is that turnover, unfortunately. So one other option that you could have had there, you know, should Billy have called a timeout? That's a big debate going on right now on Thunder Twitter. By the time you guys listen to this, you probably have seen lots of tweets about it. You probably have formed your own opinions. Um, in my opinion, I think that they probably should have. I think Billy probably should have gone ahead and called that timeout. You're, there's 15 seconds left. You're down two. You know, the Thunder have been great and after timeout plays this season, particularly with how Paul George is playing the way he is, the way he's hitting those three-pointers. You know, we've, we've seen all these buzzer beaters. We were halfway expecting Paul George to get one today because of how hot he's been and how good he's been at those. But the Thunder just run those to almost perfection, and they really have this season. So you could have got one of those. You could have gone for the win with a Paul George or Terrence Ferguson or whoever you want. You know, you could have gone for the win with a three-pointer. But... By doing so, it gave Boston a chance to set up their half-court defense, which honestly had pretty much stopped the Thunder all day. And I think in Billy's post-game presser or whatever, somebody interviewed him and asked him about it, and that's exactly the reasoning he gave was that he didn't want to give Boston the chance to set up a half-court their half-court defense. And he told Russ after those or during those free throws that if Tatum misses, he wanted Russ to grab the ball and push it in transition. Regardless, though, I think there were like three defenders down there when when it was like Russ, three defenders, and I think, like I said, I think it was Schroeder who was coming down. So I I still think Billy should have called that timeout, set up an after-timeout play, but you can't really criticize Billy for that, nor can you criticize him for how he coached his game in general because he's I feel like he's having a great season. And honestly, if, if the Thunder are able to win and make it far in the playoffs, he should be a coach of the year candidate. So... That's kind of a hot take, I'm sure, particularly amongst a lot in Thunder Twitter. But as Brett Dawson likes to point out, fans are quick to blame the coach in losses, but not so quick to give credit to the coach in wins. It's usually the players. So, I mean, if, if Russ makes that play, say it is Schroeder, and he gets he, he hits Schroeder for an open three-pointer, they hit that shot, they win the game, or even puts him up one, we're not talking about this at all. So while I still feel like Billy should have called a timeout, you can't blame this loss on him, and it's really not worth even harping over that much because I think overall Billy's coached a really good game, or coached a really good game and has coached a really good season. So just a couple more points I have to go through here. The first of those being that Thunder had six players in double figures today. We had Paul George, obviously, with 37. Jeremy Grant had 15. He had a really slow start. He kind of had a little bit of a rough game. Uh, wasn't really making his shots up there until the fourth and was able to get back into a double figures. We had Steven Adams with 16. He still looked maybe a little banged up. I thought he was moving a little slow. 
You have Terrence Ferguson with 11. You know, he was 4-9 from the field and 3-8 of eight from three-point from the three, three range. He he played a good game, but you could tell with more elite defenders around him in Boston that he was kind of a little shook. He, he wasn't quite as hot as he has been over the seven-game win streak, but regardless, I'm not really concerned about Ferg. He played another, another really solid game. You have Russ with 22 points. Like I said, he had his, his what, what was it, six consecutive triple-doubles, 22 points, uh, 12 rebounds, 16 assists. And then you have Dennis Schroeder with 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. He played another really good game, continued his hot scoring streak You know, after that Friday game against Miami, and I thought he played a really solid game, but he struggled a little bit defensively. And that's one of my other points I wanted to bring up was the minutes disparity between Dennis Schroeder and the rest of the starters. So Paul, Paul George played 39 minutes, Jeremy Grant 32, Stephen Adams 35, Ferguson 34, Westbrook 37. Those are all very similar numbers. Basically, the starters played a lot of the game. But then you have Schroeder with only 23 minutes, which is leading the bench still by a, a wide mar- margin. Yeah, but Jeremy Grant played 32 minutes, which was the least of the starters, and that's still quite a significant margin above Dennis Schroeder. So that's something to keep an eye on, obviously. I know, I know when Dennis came here, he's expecting to close games. He was expecting to basically get the minutes of a starter. So hopefully he's not going to be too upset. But, you know, Boston was constantly trying to switch Dennis onto Kyrie, uh, via the pick and roll, and that really hurt the Thunder. That's when Kyrie, against a lesser defender like Dennis, just took full advantage of that. And during crunch time, you know, th- those were critical minutes. So, unfortunately, Billy had to pull Dennis and, or maybe not unfortunately, but <laughs> um, had to pull Dennis and bring in Ferguson for his defense. And as we know, Ferguson's been playing pretty elite on the offensive end. So that's just something to kind of monitor moving forward. Will Dennis get upset with this? Will everything be okay? And will teams to try to continue to exploit Schroeder's defense? Um, but I'm, I'm really curious to kind of keep an eye on those minutes for, for Schroeder and then all, obviously the starters as well. Speaking of minutes, something a note that I also found interesting. So Abdul Nader was out today with an illness, and even with him being out, Abrina still didn't see the floor. And it just makes you curious, is he going to see the floor moving forward? You know, is, is Billy just trying to get him to put some more weight on after being sick and being gone, trying to get his legs under him, or is he kind of back on the end of, of Billy's bench? But regardless, you know, if that is the case and Billy doesn't trust him, we were talking on our uncontested slack, you know, there's a lot of our guys, including myself, who feel like if that is the case, then the Thunder could really benefit from another veteran wing presence. Now, is that going to be Andre uh, Robertson coming back and hopefully being healthy, or whether that's through the trade, with the upcoming trade trade deadline next Thursday, I'm not really sure. But regardless, they could obviously benefit from another veteran wing presence, and particularly if Abrinas isn't going to be seeing minutes or if he just continues to regress. So I, that's something to keep an eye on as well moving forward. So that's really all I have for this game. But I just wanted to end it with this. You know, overall, there's really not a lot to be worried about with this game. I know it sucks. It was a primetime game. You want the Thunder to play their best. You want the Thunder to be able to win this and get a lot of national attention. But regardless... You know, after a seven-game win streak, we, we can't be too concerned. The Thunder still were in position to win this one, even without playing their best. And something that Jacob mentioned in our Slack that I, I really want to share with you guys and thought was a really good point, a seven-game win streak is much more indicative of a team than this loss at Boston at the very end of a road trip. So not a lot to be concerned about. You know, we're still in a really good position. We're still locked in third in the West, even though we do have Portland creeping up on us in that fourth spot. But regardless, um, don't be too concerned about this loss. Don't take it too heavy. And then let's try and take care of business coming up. 
Speaking of which, looking ahead, the Thunder play the Magic on Tuesday at home. They play the Grizzlies on Thursday at home. And as we know, those are two teams that aren't that great. And in such a tight Western Conference, you know, those are two games that we really need to win, particularly because our schedule gets so tough after that. We then play Houston at Houston for another primetime matchup on Saturday night. And I think just from there, the, the schedule just kind of gets out of control. Not out of control, but I mean, it's it's brutal. I think like tankathon.com and many other websites have us as one of or tied for like the hardest schedule moving forward. And so we, we really need to take care of business and beat both the Grizzlies and the Magic. However, I mentioned Thursday, Thunder play the Grizzlies, which will be really interesting because that also happens to be, as many of you know, the trade deadline. You have Marcus Gasol and Conley, two guys on the Grizzlies. It'll be interesting to see if they are still on the Grizzlies that night when the Thunder play them. Uh, I would kind of doubt it. I think one or both of them will probably be moved, and we probably won't see them Thursday night. So again, a game that the Thunder should probably win, particularly if one or both of them are not even playing that night. Speaking, though, of the Thunder, they traded TLC plus some cash cash considerations to Chicago for a, a 2020 protected second rounder. So what's interesting about that is that opens up another roster spot for OKC, which they will have to fill here in the next two weeks. You can't just have 13 players for the, for the rest of the season. That's actually a role in the NBA. So does this mean they're going to make a move at the trade deadline, or are they going to or willing to use the mid-level exception to pay like a buyout candidate, like per se, Wes Matthews, who just got traded to the Knicks. You know, if he's bought out, will we try and pay him a little bit of the mid-level exception uh, to give him more than the veteran minimum to encourage him to come and play for us, a title contender compared to like a Houston or LA or Golden State Warriors? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Thunder end up doing with those two open roster spots. You know, will they convert Burton, and then use that lost roster spot to try and sign a wet veteran like Wes Matthews. I'm really not sure, but I'm very excited. You guys should be excited, and stay tuned here at the Uncontested because we'll be following it all, and we'll have all the news and try to break it down for you guys. So finally, I just want to get to some Twitter questions. It's kind of funny. You guys send in a lot of Twitter questions when we win, but when we lose, I don't get nearly as much. I think I had like a ton of retweets and like likes on the tweet I had about Twitter questions, but I ended up with only two. <laughs> so since I've gone a little long, it actually works out. I will read off the two that I have. The first one is from Boomtown, RW, our guy Kamiar. He's currently in Vegas right now, and he asked me, explain to me why God hates me for being in a room full of Patriot Boston fans. Kamiar is literally like in a bar at Vegas watching the game on a big screen and says he's just surrounded by people in Patriot jerseys getting ready for the Super Bowl and they're cheering obviously for Boston <laughs> and he said it took everything in him not to just get in a full-on brawl and anytime they were like cheering or talking smack on Westbrook or whatever it was regardless uh, I'm glad Kamiar is safe and Kamiar I'm not really sure why that you were stuck in a room full of Patriot Boston fans and I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, but thank you for taking one for the team. And I wish we could have won to upset those Boston fans in that Vegas sports bar. My next question comes from Panthers fan 2134. His name is Chris Banks, and he asked me, does OKC make a move at the deadline? And this is a really, really tough question, as we know, because Presti is like completely unpredictable. But one thing I will say is Thunder's Thunder has been in a lot of rumors about trade talks, like you know, earlier in the season was Terrence Ross. Most recently, I think I saw something about Tristan Thompson, which is really interesting. Regardless, there's enough out there that shows me that Presti is making calls. And if the right deal is there, he will make that that trade. 
But the fact that he did that trade on Friday, uh, trading TLC for another open roster spot, I don't think he does that without having another trade in mind. So I would not be surprised if he does go ahead and make a trade for another complimentary piece and player to help us moving forward in the second half, or, you know, post-second half of the season, post-All-Star break, and moving into the playoffs. So yes, I'm going to go ahead and say, Chris, that I do think we make a move. I don't think it's going to be a super huge flashy move, but if we end up even just trading for Wes Matthews rather than getting him on the buyout market, or if we trade for a player like a Wes Matthews, you know, like uh, I think Nick Stockis just got traded to Portland, or traded from Portland to Cleveland. Say we try and target him or like a Joe Harris or a Terrence Ross or somebody like that, and then we're able to get like a Wes Matthews or another big man maybe in like the buyout market. I could see that happening as well for that last roster spot. So that's a, a long-winded answer, but... There's a lot of possibilities, and honestly, a lot to be excited about as an OKC Thunder fan. So, moving forward, those are my only two Twitter questions. Like I said, stay tuned. We have a lot to be excited about, like I just mentioned. We'll have a post-game pod podcast for you guys all week with all these games coming up. I think we have three more games for the, the week ahead, like I mentioned. Plus, we'll have some day-long coverage of the trade deadline, including we're thinking of maybe doing like a Google Hangouts, uh, possibly a Periscope, something like that, where you guys could watch live while we all talk about the the deadline like maybe 30 minutes to an hour before the deadline moving forward touching on some trades that have happened that day and then also trades that are to come breaking live news as we get them on our phones from Woj and shams and fill in the blank um and then after that we will do a full group podcast that night recapping everything uh, going over some thunder things and hopefully we'll have a thunder trade to talk about so be sure to stay tuned here at the uncontested we will have all the breaking news for you guys and until then enjoy the super bowl tonight enjoy watching that enjoy this beautiful weather that we're having and as always thunder out When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.